Welcome to the shed. It's a sunny day. It's Italy day or Italian day. I don't think it's Italian days, uh, plural, although we've just about came to blows before we went live here over that question. <laughs> but anyway, it's a beautiful day here in June. We're in the shed. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. I don't even know if most of it is on a list anywhere, but we seem to have a lot of stuff on our mind. So we're feeling good. Hope you're feeling good. Here we go. Yeah, okay, so there's the look at look. This live? Yeah, we're looking at oh. Robin's Nest live under our deck. There was just some movement there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She... Well, there's a bird there, right? Beak in the air. It's a, it's a nest. Yes, but we just... <laughs> <laughs> good good uh, info for Moby there. Oh, I know. I just, like, I'm trying. No, team guy. Yeah, team guy all the way. Okay, so she, from time to time, gets up and flaps her wings, flutters them really fast, and she looks like she's already gotten up out of the nest and moved into the box. And then she'll stand up on the edge of the nest. It's just really exciting what right now. What does she do it for? Do you think cool them off? Oh, no. She's getting close to fledging. We're thinking today might be the day. That's oh. the chick? That's the chick. That's not the parent. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, isn't that amazing? So let's go back. Oh we'll we'll goodness, find the recent nutty. event. Do you have the vicious neighborhood cat cam going? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, that would be it. Okay, so here's the robin cam. So let's see if we can catch a little feeding here for a movie. There you go. Oh, and that's, oh, I see. This that's is a wild record. Yeah, that is dad. That's dad. He has big white eyes and no. There we go. Oh, that one does look. Oh, the bird's got a big head. Yeah. Huge, yeah. And when it stands up on the edge of the nest, it's getting And big. is there just one baby? Yeah, there were four. Oh. The cat came. We got it on video. Oh, my God. Oh, it was terrible. Oh, my Seriously, God. you got the cat on oh, video? Oh, you got the cat on video. He jumped right up there, grabbed one of the chicks in, its, in his mouth. In the meantime, this bird flew away. Um, and then the whole nest was just sitting there. So three birds gone, one chick in the nest. And then later on, mom or dad, we think it's dad, clumsy, right? He comes, he sits on the edge of the nest, and the whole thing just flips off the board because it's no longer... Yeah, it's no. not balanced. It's been yeah. moved slightly by the cat. Yeah, and yeah. It actually fell off twice. It fell off once before I reinstated it. That's when it flipped off because I reinstated it on a, just a flat piece of cardboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the chick would inch the, the nest over because yeah. it's activity, right? And then Dad, the whole thing fell off, and our theory is that the chick kind of stayed inside and it bounced... And the chick got cushioned by the nest itself. Oh, my. And then we found the chick hiding behind a little kind of uh, paving stone that we had leaned up. So there's a gap underneath. And then, so then Sue got the idea, oh, well, how about we use a shoebox lid? Yeah. Because now we can turn that upside down and the nest goes into the shoebox. And then I rebuilt the bottom of the nest so it would have more warmth because the bottom of the nest had been destroyed. Yeah. And then I stapled this shoebox to the wood. So now this is now this has talking. been yeah, this has been working very well. Let's rewatch this little activity here. Oh, so you actually handled the little chick and the nest and yep. put it back up and they were all right with that. Yeah, so you put a couple of gloves on. Oh. And then I got the nest all set up, and then she cupped it with her two gloves, picked it up, put it in the nest, and then I put up the nest. And the parents are talking to us the whole time. Well, and I was telling Rich and Sue that if that chick 
survives to reproduce. In about 10 years, the robins will be running the crows off and running the cats off because fell out of the nest twice. Well, that's pretty cool. The video's great. That's great. No, that's great. Now, this is related. You have the shingles vaccine, correct? I sure do. Did you know that shingles vaccine has been shown to reduce the odds of Alzheimer's by about 20% or so? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Bonus. A recent, apparently reliable study. And the, the reason it's so reliable is it was done in some other country. I can't remember what, Japan maybe. And uh, whatever country this is, you're, require, you're not required to have a shingles vaccine. Highly recommended up till age 83. And then there's a hard cutoff. If you're over 83, you're not supposed to get one. And that's just all mathematical about um, actuarial mm. predictions. It's not worth your while doing it because if you get shingles, there's not long to live <laughs> anyway. Well, and there's there's obviously some slight risk with the shot. Yeah, there's some slight risk with the shot. So they set it to 83, and then what they did was they looked at people just below 83, and 48% did get the shingles shot, so, so those people, and the people just over 83, and then tracked them for five years. And then the, the prevalence of Alzheimer's was much higher in the people. And when I say over 83, I mean a month over. Mm. Like, so they've got that very narrow yeah, range. So they're all they very could. close in yeah. age. They just happen to either have the shingles or not. And then, so that kind of study is much, much more reliable because it's causal. It's not, oh yeah, but people who don't get Alzheimer's tend to get the shot. No, 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 no. It's not like that. It's the other way around. So they can actually show that it's causal. I, I just That's a huge bonus. I'm very pleased to hear that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I thought it was worth doing just, I don't want shingles, right? Yeah. And listeners, we've talked about this before. If you know anyone, if you or any of your loved ones have had shingles, you know that you got to get that vaccine. It's just terrible. It killed my father. Yeah. Because he died of many things, but all those things were compounded because of the pain that he experienced for the last two years of his life. From shingles. Yeah. Every time he got up out of his chair, oh it was God. painful. He would grunt really loud and we'd all, would you stop doing that? But he was just in pain, right? Yeah. Well, I still have a half bottle of uh, oxy cassettes <laughs> from like 20 years ago and I'm hanging on to them, man, because the moment that my kidney stone flares up. I'm oh, taking yeah. two of those. Yeah, oh yeah. And then heading into e ER to wait however many hours. Oh man. Uh, so you guys, I think I might've mentioned in a correspondence, I had a styroid in my eye from walking barefoot through the autos to you. you. You sent us a picture. Was that really necessary? Yeah, it was. From walking barefoot through the... There's a song. I got a rose right in my toes from walking barefoot through the autos Most of us only know one Tiny Tim song, Baby. but you bought the album. I got a thorn right in my corn from walking barefoot through the hothouse. Do you? Well, I got a sty right in my eye from walking. Anyway. Nice. That's wicked. Just gross, right? You saw the picture. I spent all day at one of those emergency support places, but it took like seven hours. But for all you people out there hearing this, if you go into one of those places, do me, just me, personal favor. Don't sit there and bellyache loudly about how many people have gotten ahead of you and all these hard chairs. I'm going to pass out. I can't wait till five. There was a woman in there, oh. probably my age, a little older. She needed stitches out of her leg. She had this really ostentatious bandage on her shin. She just needed stitches removed. 
She was there for two hours, and you should have heard this person. It was just ridiculous. Like, grow up. If you're going to someplace like that, put on your big boy or big girl clothes before you go and just grow up, for God's sakes. Well, I mean, you can be in intense pain in those places for hours. Yeah, and she, I've had lots of stitches, a lot of stitches. So what was, what was her pain from again? From being impatient to get her stitches out. She's in no pain. She's, it's everything. You're getting fixed. your stitches out. You're not in pain. Well, why do you need to go to emergency to get stitches out? Because you're a wiener head who doesn't get enough attention at home, apparently. So you have to come <laughs> to a public place and whine about your, oh, I can't wait all eat. Just, geez. Oh, wow. That's know? terrible. Yeah. I know that I'm not being empathetic. I understand there's lots of reasons, that, but she needed stitches out. Well, the good news is uh, Burnaby and probably the North Shore, I imagine, but the, the, the site that I go to shows all Vancouver and Fraser Health. The hospitals are all shown now for wait times for cool. emergency. Mm-hmm. And for us, like sometimes Burnaby, like at say midnight or later, it's eight hour, 12 hour wait time. So now Sue can take me down to Peace Arch where in the middle of the night, there's a one hour wait. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's, I mean, they do triage, right? They triage, but I've been been in there with a a lot of pain from kidney stone for like four or five hours before they would pull me in. And that again, if somebody's actually dying, you're just going to have to cope. Yeah. 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 But yeah, they do do triage and that's the only explanation I could offer. And of course I sat in the corner. I said, why won't anybody (laughs) let me in? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, we often go to Burnaby like... Oh, really? Yeah, because it's it's not very far, and it's way everything's way faster in emergency oh, than you just BGH. Oh, maybe so, but you're lucky because Burnaby sometimes is really bad. I think in your case, with your kind of health problems, you're probably gonna bypass the lineup anyway. You got health problems? Yeah, you got some health problems. What? Yeah, Didn't you get to run antibiotics? I thought you did. So I got a prescription when I was in Ottawa. Yeah. A prescription for what? <laughs> Damn it. Oh, because because my hemoglobin is not good, and they think it's because I'm on little baby aspirin, aspirin, and it makes my stomach bleed a tiny bit. Mm, And so my blood goes somewhere else. And They put you on Plavix now? I don't know what it is. It's right up there on the shelf. So I said, okay, well, I'll pick it. And shoppers, the instant it's prescribed, I get a text from shoppers, drug mart. And then I get a phone call from shoppers, drug mart. Oh, there's a prescription. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll be there in five days or something. So then I hadn't been able to get shoppers. And I have this because this was set up. So I go get my scope and doctor says, oh, I'm going to prescribe this one. Okay, good. The same prescription. So I'm wondering, people, people of the world who are listening, why is there not one little file for Kevin McNulty that oh, has all his prescriptions? Yes. Yeah. And like, is is there a privacy issue there or something? Because why wouldn't doctor who's got me under anesthetic, why doesn't he know that this has already been prescribed? And I know, it was like a, they're, 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 they might blame it on privacy, but it's really politics. Amongst the, all the various health authorities. Oh, jeebus. Yep. Yeah, I was going to offer you a choice between the likely explanation and the cynical explanation. <laughs> well, because I know a guy that's worked a lot on uh, healthcare interchange, and it's just like huge. Yeah. And of course, security is 
absolutely important, but you, by, by virtue of seeing a doctor, you should immediately be deemed to have, you know, just by being there to have signed off on them getting access, but I don't know. Yeah. But, but then I'm sure there's the people who get painkillers or uppers or downers or whatever, and they get it from various doctors so they can shop around. Absolutely. Yeah. My oxycassette's like that. I, you got, yeah. RJ's got a lot of doctors. Shop around. He's yeah. been on this stuff for years. <laughs> He's been to most of it. But I mean, in computers, integration is always a problem, right? Different systems have to talk to each other. The point at which they meet is called that doing that is called integrating systems. And it is always brutal. And if you add to that, what RJ was referring to sort of institutional resistance or lethargy or priority and then try to imagine what happens if you move across Canada, where each province jealously mm. guards their stupid healthcare policy. Mm-hmm. No wonder the thing is the most expensive budget item there is. Like, they all have their little empires. And then, yeah, like the same person has to get checked out by every different doctor they need you yeah, know, to I, see. I don't, I don't have a GP anymore, so every time I call in, even when I get the same doctor at the same clinic, I still have to kind of repeat stuff because he doesn't know, you know, I'm not his patient, main patient. Well, even my GP, you would think that if, if I'm sitting beside her and she's looking at her computer, that the first thing would be my file and my history and maybe what I'm on. Yes. And she always asks me, what are you, are you still doing that aspirin? And I say, I've been told I'm doing that for my the rest of my life. Why why don't you know that? Why isn't yeah. it on there someplace? Yeah. So well, fair is, enough that they might want to re-ask anyway. Okay, because a lot of people discontinue their meds. And, yeah, but I think it's different than that. It's yeah. just not there in front of her, and she just needs to. Yeah, and why isn't it? Is your new med called uh, clopidogrel? Nope. Okay. How do you remember the names of these? Well, meds? this is I only take two meds for life, and one of them's that. But even that, like. I've taken lots of different things, and I would never remember a name like Clopidopril. It's Plavix. Plavix. <laughs> but uh, Clopidogrel is the generic. Clop- Did you say Clopidogrel, like dogrel? Yeah. Oh, dog? you're on the Rabaprazol. Oh, 20, 20 milligrams. <laughs> Holy smokes. <laughs> I know. Big man, kid on the blog. Listeners, uh, brace oh, yourself. We're in for some heavy man. This is so interesting. Here. So what this is is you keep taking your aspirin, yeah, and then this coats your stomach. Yeah. Why can't I do that? You can't get it without a prescription, RJ. Yeah. No, I know. But You're I gonna I, have I, to hit one of your eight or ten different suppliers. No, but I mean, if I wanted to, I could talk to. I don't want to do that though, because this says coats stomach. My issue is all the way through my intestines, so I want to. Well, take a whole and bunch. that apparently is <laughs> well, good true. for uh, re- acid reflux, right? Which you, I don't oh, have anymore. Is that interesting? Yeah, so it quells that, and who knows what else it does down yeah, there? Because I supposedly have acid reflux, but I don't know. And so, somebody suggested to me that they had low hemoglobin, and the doctor put them on iron. And, but my doctor hasn't put me on iron. She did say, do you eat red meat? I said, a little bit. Well, you should eat more, she says, which is, I think, odd for a doctor to say that. Well, but. it's just the iron, right? Oh, yeah, but of course, yeah. they could have just said, eat more broccoli or some vegetable with iron in Maybe. it. Or take an iron supplement. Is yeah, that not so. an option? But 
I'll, I'll ask her next time I'm talking to her. It just seems like the, all these minerals and vitamins, if you get them through food, they just seem to be more effective than mm. through the multivitamins. Mm. But, yeah. but don't miss a chance, you know, like say, even if you don't believe it or feel it at all, get right up on your high horse and start talking about how you don't believe in eating meat and so on. Yeah. And that the health benefits yeah. of avoiding it are well-known and well-documented. And I cannot believe you're suggesting that simply to get iron, which is available in any kind of plant, you're telling me to eat, just go for it. Just yeah, that'll uh, trample. That'll get his doctor to work well with him in yeah. the future. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've found again and again. It's, yeah. Uh, all right. Quick, well. quick interruption to congratulate us all on having our uh, shed dog hats on. Yes. Yeah, first time in a while we've managed to all come up with it. Way We're to go, us. Hattified and. Yeah. As I was leaving the house, I said, today I'm going to shed dogs my way. I'm not bringing no headphones. Don't need Good. no stinking headphones. Good. Good. Had a boy, RJ, I had a boy. I just, it looked like you had sort of a little mohawk on your hat there, Skinny. It's just a little dint, but the way the light's looking here, it's, a, it's very, oh. it's rather very east side. And yours is this way. Yeah, I, yeah. I have. Which is kind of unique. It's actually a special limited edition yeah, uh, collector's so item. It it really goes to my ability to love. My little heart fingers are incomplete. Yes. Oh. I can't really experience oh. love the way yeah, you guys do. Oh, that is hard. Not enough just dopamine. a minute. I'm a little verklempt here. I just give me a minute. Verklempt. Oh. oh, my God. I didn't think this was the snapper segment. <laughs> it's... Uh, <laughs> now it's time to pockets when we dance. That's racist. Well, before I... No. Yeah, it is. It totally it is. is. It's, <laughs> li- it's linguist. <laughs> Before That's I forget, what is, what is, and I'm sorry, I know it's not the segment. What is rubric? Rubric is, um, <laughs> isn't that one of those, uh, disgusting drinks of coffee. Jeez. <laughs> First we had to sit through all that shit about medicine and now this. Uh, Stanley Rubric, famous director. <laughs> no, no. 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 Uh, Rubric's cube. No. Um, um, what do they call those machines? Uh. You know, or the Rubik's yeah. Cube? No. Uh, he uh, already said that one. Did he? Oh, yeah, but no, you're, I know what you're talking about. Uh, uh, Rube, Rube, Gold, Rubrik Goldberg. Rubrik Goldberg. Goldberg. Jesus. <laughs> 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 okay, okay. So isn't uh, the Rubrik. A Rubrik is, um, um, it's like a classification of something. I think you're right. I think it's a framework of, of sort of colloquial belief. It's not important like religion, belief in animals and all that, but it's the rubric of society in medieval England was architecture or agriculture. Uh, right? Uh, uh, right, right, so, right. So their activities, their worldview, the background against which they lived their lives was the rubric of their lives. That's right, what I think. Right, could yeah, be yeah. Because, uh, of course, it's one of those words that you hear from time to time. Yeah. And you just read through it and, and it's good enough. You don't necessarily have to understand it precisely and it, uh, when I read it, I always think of fabric because of the similarity of the words. Because, you know, you could think of it as kind of a fabric that knits together the people in the society or whatever. It's probably completely wrong, but I just, that's what I just. Well, and it, my, what I just said might be completely wrong too. And about 95% of all my words are that <laughs> way. Okay. They're derived from 
connotation in some yeah, yeah. article that's or book, the, that's, and I just don't know That's the way we right. all, I mean, we all learn our entire lives. Yeah. It's not often that you stop and say, can you please define that word you just used? You just, you just roll with it. Yeah. And after the 30th context, you kind of have it triangulated, even if you yeah. could, if, if asked to do De- define it you might not and we we find this all the time you might not be able to say it well but you can still yeah yeah like detritus what a problem detritus mm, has yeah, been in my life i know yeah rubric a noun noun it says uh, a heading on a document Ooh. yes okay that would be uh, a direction in a liturgical book as to how a church service should be conducted so the framework of the service. Nice. A statement of purpose or function, art for a purpose, not for its own sake, was his rubric. I think I was in the ballpark because mm-hmm. the rubric of medieval life in England is ag- agricultural, right? So the, so it's kind of a purpose? The direction, the framework, the rules, the interests, the, goal. the structure of life. A rubric is a type of scoring guide that assesses and articulates specific components and expectations for an assignment. Rubrics can be used for a variety of assignments, research papers, group projects, portfolios, and presentations. Oh, my God. So it really should be an Excel rubric as opposed to a spreadsheet. Nice. Yeah. I'm so trying to it's kind of like, uh, yeah, a, a I name mean, or heading under which something is classified. Yeah. Okay. Well, I still don't know enough to actively start using it in my, uh, in my speech. Oh, right. no, you don't need, just throw it in there. Because honestly, if we don't know it, 98% of the rest of the world's not going to know it either. Yeah. So if, if you guys say, oh, let's not cover such and such a topic, I'll say, guys, this is the rubric of the shed dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's what you say. It's, Our podcast it's, rubric demands that we talk about stupid crap. It's like what weaves like. us all together. Are we going to segue into snappers? Do you want to or not? Yeah, let's do snappers. Sure, let's. Because I, I don't, have a, I I don't have, think there's very many. I have tales, <laughs> tales of the good news that I think I shared with you by text we'll talk about later. Yeah. So let's go to snappers. It's time again for KJ Snappers, wherein our own KJ dog tries to stump the panel with etymological quandaries he's stumbled across in his travels, and in which PJ and RJ search deep into their time-addled memories to see if they can piece together the meanings and origins of these terms. So let's play KJ Snappers. Okay, here we go. Okay, well, let's go grok. Where does it come from? Well, no, no. We always start with what does it mean? Okay, well, go. Because I, I do know what it means. Okay, I believe that grok means understand. Do you grok this? Do you understand it? I grok the concept. Well, I'm going to, just because I'm here, I'm just going to look that up real cri- quick. It's I've got G-R-O-C. Oh, G-R-O-K is what we're talking about. Yes. I had a G-R-O-C. Grok. Oh, grok was a Swiss clown. What does grok mean? Grok. Uh, grok. Uh, born... G-R-O-K movie. G-R-O-K means to understand so thoroughly that the observer becomes a part of the... The observer becomes part of the what? Oh, that's right. A stranger... uh, uh, Coined by American writer Heinlein, the 61 novel Stranger in a Strange Land. Okay. Summarizes the meaning of grok to understand intuitively or by empathy to establish rapport with and to empathize or communicate sympathetically with... Interesting. Yeah, that's so it's, more than I thought. Yeah, it's more than just understand. And I have noticed that people who use it tend to be of a certain type. 
I don't mean to generalize here, but they're often, because I hang out with tech people, I listen to tech podcasts, Mm. I read tech publications and blogs. They use Grok a lot. Why? Because people who are into tech are often into science fiction. That is pretty Uh, interesting. And I think you're right, too. And uh, do we know who Terrence McKenna is off the top of our heads? Nope. Oh, I think he's a a mushroom guy, or he's he's an experimental oh, either a uh, he's like a Timothy writer. Theory of mushrooms. Yes, yes, oh, yes, okay. uh, writer kind of guy. Okay, uh, moving on. Cuss, C U S S, cuss. Oh, as in swearing. Yeah, and I gotta assume that it came from curse. Absolutely, yeah. But why, why, why that? Just you know. Uh, it that's a curse word. That's a cuss word. Yeah, well, word. cuss word. It's right in your accent that you just did. Yeah, yeah. It's a. It comes from the American South. Yeah, and that would be one of their kind of slang pronunciations. Just drop the R. Oh, okay, Cuss. I'll buy that. Yeah. For a dollar. Because when I was in the uh, the uh, Halo Clan, and we would all have our headsets oh, on and talk right, to each right. other. Uh, and they're really like a right-wing kind of super conservative clan and they needed to welcome kids into the clan, right? So no cussing, right? So there was a lot of use of that word. So yeah, he cussed. Yeah, ban him. He cussed. <laughs> I asked I, him not to cuss and he kept cussing. I know so we're in the him. middle of snappers, but I think you need to give our listeners, say, oh. 25 words on Halo Clan. What the hell are you talking about? Oh. Have I never done the Halo Clan? I doubt it. Settle in, people. No. <laughs> Have we got how much time we got on the list? This? I did say twenty-five <laughs> words. It was a weak little attempt to limit the torrent that we're about to experience. Here. No, I'll do that maybe after Snappers if I remember, or I'll add it to our list and we'll cover my uh, my time in the Halo Clan. I feel like I spent a little time on that already here. Back to the point here. Uh, noun: an annoying or stubborn person or animal. Hmm. He was certainly an unsociable cuss. Hmm. Yes, I sort of yeah have an inkling of that. And another term for curse. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's that. Okay, everybody happy there? Yep. Uh, very few, very few. Oh, the term for crying out loud. For crying out loud, what? Wh- wh- where do we think that? Like, what is? Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? An expression of exasperation. But why is it for oh, crying out loud? For like crying, for crying out loud? Because sometimes you'd say, "For God's sake." So, in other words, mm-hmm. for the sake of God sake of your mm-hmm. service or allegiance to God, mm-hmm. do this, that, or the other. Yeah. You know, and you, again, exasperated tone, but mm-hmm. why for crying out loud? And is, would crying out loud be, ah, as opposed to oh, weeping? Right. Yes. It'd be like. Oh, it'd be exasperation. Yeah. It'd be for, it'd be for crying oh, out loud. Well, and maybe that's what it is. Interesting. Cause I always thought it just heard kind of weeping in my mind, but never uh, yeah, really thought much for, about for, it. But maybe it's. For crying out, that that makes me want to scream. Yes, yes. Maybe that's all it is. Yeah. And in a sense, what I'm about to implore you, I'm going to do it instead of just crying out loud. For crying out loud, would you stop ticking your fingers on the table? Yeah, that's interesting. I never once thought about why that expression was that. Not ever. But I think what you just said is really it. Play a... To our card game uh, with my to dad. show anger, just annoyance, etc. Maybe there's ghosts in the shed. Sorry, what, uh, did I miss? Rich that? is reliving <laughs> some traumatic moments of his youth. <laughs> Get whipped at cards while his dad just just irritates the hell out of him. 
Yeah. No, I, I do think it's tears. <laughs> well, I get a lot of examples, but I'm not getting... Um, Etymology. Thank you. Uh, meaning origin. How about that? The phrase originated in the United States in the 1920s, and the, and the cartoonist Thomas Alo- Aloysius Dorgan is credited with popularizing the idiom. For crying out loud, for crying out loud is minced oath which is an oath in which the profane or offensive word is replaced. Oh, so it's a replacement for Christ's sake. Oh, of course. Uh, of course. Inappropriate oath replaced by crying out loud is for Christ's oh, sake. For Christ's Christ sake. Why didn't I? Judas priests. Yeah. Judas priest. Yeah, yeah. There's a million of them, but I just didn't ever know that was one. So I know there's Judas. All those guys had one name, right? So what's, what's with the priest part? It's just... It's just to, it's like a, a gaggle of bad guys, I think. I think it's just any word that's one syllable that has ST at the end stands in for oh, Christ. And, and see, I ends didn't know with that. Judas Priest. I didn't know Jesus that either. Christ. Instead of saying Jesus Christ, you say Judas Priest. Oh, yeah, of yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Just, you didn't know that one. I knew that I one. Did I did not know, know for that one. Out okay, all. and uh, that's that's the, all I had. I, there were some others, but uh, but then. I get a message from none other than I'm going Brett K of Rosslyn of Ross of uh, originally from uh, Rosslyn, but now down here someplace. Yep, and where the work Yes, and he obviously is a avid listener because he suggested the word adumbrated, a d u m b r a t e d. Oh, Adam Braided. That's a word I've heard, and I don't know what it means. Never heard that one. I've heard it. Just move on. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, Adam Braided. Uh, uh, Did he have a... Oh, I I can look on my messenger right here. It's right here, Brett. Oh, here we go. Um, a word for your shed dog snappers, Adam Braided, e.g. They have Adam Braided the importance of education as a means of social transformation. Is the example. Hmm. So I'm going to say, based on that only, that it means they have transformed for the worse. They've reduced something. Something or, is reduced. Or it could be magnified. They have, en- they have enhanced. They have yeah. increased. Because it could be that they have increased edu- the use of education for social uh, conditioning. Yeah, I, I hear you. And you could be right. I when I hear Adam, could I go, think it means reduction. Could go either uh, way. Uh, yeah. uh, verb, <clears throat> formal past tense, adumbrated, report a present or represent an outline. They have adumbrated the importance of edu- oh, he, uh, this Oh, that's the same one he used. So what's it mean? I think you read the... Dis- yeah, that almost sounds like it was an abbreviation. Adumbrated is another to, word for... To foreshadow vaguely, intimate... To suggest, oh. dec- disclose, or outline wow. partially. Okay. To overshadow, obscure, bubbling optimism, not at all, a- adumbrated by difficulties. Nice. Yikes. Way to go, Brad. The social unrest that adumbrated the French Revolution. <sighs> uh, uh, in, 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 to uh, to f- foreshadow vaguely. Yeah. Intimate. See, now that, there's an interesting word, is intimate. You intimate something or something is intimate, right? Mm. It's spelled the same, but, but they're mm. different, right? Right, right. Yeah, one is a noun, one's a verb. There you go. Thank you, PJ. And and you get 
the same sense, right? If you intimate something, you are hinting behind your hand. You're kind of whispering a secret. Yes. Which is oh, it was intimate. what intimate is. Okay, about, right? okay, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha. And okay, and another one from BK of formerly of Rosalind. Uh, pleonasm, P L E O N A S M. No, got nothing. Never heard of that one either. Well, at least I had heard of Adam Braided. KBK, we're looking this one up now too. Because tell me again, what did he give you anything with that? Nothing with that one. And it's pleonism. P L E O whatever. N I S M. In. Um, hang on, hang on. Here it comes. Fuck off. Oops, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. While we're waiting, uh, listeners, if you do hear the occasional sound of some kind of music or celebration in the distance, this is, is it called Italian Days? Yes. Italian Day, singular, I think. Italian Day on Commercial Drive, just two and a half blocks from here. Mm, ready? Um, I think it's Days Skin. I think you're off your work. Pleon- pleonasm. The use of more words than are necessary to convey <laughs> meaning. Uh, E.g. see with one's eyes, either as a fault or a style for emphasis. What the hell gotcha. is that? Gotcha. So if you're getting way too wordy to when you could just say a few quick words that would explain what you're trying to Well, it sort of goes say. to redundant words too. Like see with see with your eyes. Your, with your eyes is redundant, right? What else do you yes. see with? One yeah, the, that would be an example, yeah. Yes. One of the of, questions is what's the difference between pleonasm and oxymoron, which I kind of like. Um, Wikipedia says, oh, that pleonasm is redundancy in linguistic expressions such as black darkness or burning fire. Yes, or see with your own eyes. See it, with your eyes. It is a manifestation of tautology, T-A-U-T-ology, oh, yes. I know by that one. Tra- traditional rhetorical criteria and might be considered a fault of style. Yeah, tautology is a term in logic for uh, something that's self-evident. You know, you you say, uh, if it's raining out, the streets are wet, and uh, it's been raining out, and the streets are wet. Or I, I don't know, oh. I, that's not a good example. Well, that's... But a tautology is self-evident. You don't you don't need to know anything to know that it's right, true. Right, which yeah. makes sense, yeah. yeah. Pleonasm may also be used for yes. emphasis or because the phrase has become established in a certain form. Tautology and pleonasm are not consistently differentiated in literature. Yikes. And gentlemen, that'll, that's KJ's Snappers for this week. All right. Thanks for starting All us right. off with Rubric, Rich. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and thanks to Brett of wherever. Those were pretty good. I've pleonasm, just never heard of that. And I'll quickly forget it, too, because it sounds... Yeah, not enough of, reinforcement. Well, it's just kind of negative, too. Like, saying the word pleonasm itself is probably a pleonasm. You know what I mean? Like, why would you say that? <laughs> yeah, it's like... You know, he was pleonastically saying self-evident things. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they're on a roll, ladies and gentlemen. They're on a roll. All right, what do we got here? Oh, PJ, you want to do your uh, Yeah, yeah, I do. So for our listeners, I had to get a prescription recently. And, you know, I went to the pharmacy and I gave him my Sun Life card and it didn't work. That number doesn't work anymore. And, oh, wow. So I just paid 
And I went home and I girded up my loins. I just thought, oh, this is going to be horrible. I'm going to have to phone Sun Life and spend, you know, all day getting shuffled around back and forth in and So I sat down the next morning with a cup of coffee after breakfast, after the dog walk, no interruptions on the horizon, dialed the Sun Life number, and I swear to God, I was done and dry in 15 minutes. It was awesome. I'm all set up. I was able to print a replacement card with the correct numbers and information on it that I can carry in my wallet. I was able to submit my claim online, all of it, 15 minutes. A lot of people slagging Sun Life in the ICBC uh, alumni Facebook thing, but they get top points for service on that one for me anyways. I Mm. could not believe how well that went. Did your number change? Yeah, did. Why? I don't know. Sun Life. I hate hate those guys. Well, I do too, because (laughs) if I allow my cynical nature to rule, which of course I battle valiantly against day in and day out, uh, my cynical nature whispers to me that they change the numbers because it means that they experience a reduction in claims. Because people can't figure it out. And by the time they do figure it out, they just don't want to bother anymore. People who are not tight on money just shrug. Yeah. They're busy in their lives. Yeah. They just forget. They don't get around to it. And maybe after six months or a year, they go, I got to figure this out. Yeah. And that's exactly what I did. They changed them quite a while ago and I did nothing. Because I'm never going to have to go to the doctor again. I'm only 66. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) So dumb. Yeah. Well, I got one of those two skin. I had my router modem replaced. So many problems. They just replaced the whole thing. And I think it's probably something that you would pay for. But so the guy was here, they did that. And I actually, I, I, I did it a whole bunch of it before and then it all failed again. And so while I was gone, Susan had to deal with it. And that's why the password is what it is. She made him set up oh. for the whole house. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Same. Anyway, he didn't reset the doorbell cam and I had to get this TELUS home security to get a better price somehow. It's, it's a get your foot in the door, tell us. And then when it's time to change, they'll want to say, oh, you're going to lose that and because you're so used to it. Yeah, uh, I, something like kids? that. What about the children? Yeah. And so anyway, the doorbell. So I uh, phone tell us because I want to s- get the doorbell cam working. I'm home by now. Well, I talked to, I think it was Betty in the Philippines. And for some reason, uh, the website that for home security said, uh, click this number, and it's a FaceTime number. And so I FaceTime, and you get the same TELUS lady voice saying, well, anyway, within three minutes, I was talking to Betty in the Philippines, a first. And I said, Betty, I don't know if that was her name. It was something sort of generic like that. Do you know that I'm FaceTiming you? She said, no, I don't know that. I said, do you often FaceTime? She said, I've never heard of it before. So I'm, I think I might have discovered a new way to get past the line and tell us. And anyway, I was just going to set up an appointment for the guy to come and do his little thing. And she talked me through it over the phone. That's pretty interesting. I'm very happy with nice. that little. Yeah. So a shout out to Betty in the Philippines. Yeah, yeah. I've had similar good experiences with TELUS when the cable box wasn't working right or something like that, you know, a, a week after an install or something, you know, and Bingo. they just, they just, as long as you do exactly what they say, like a robot, mm-hmm. keep them happy, then they'll just, they'll get you there pretty fast. Yeah. Not to take the shine off of my little story with Sun Life, but I will say their website 
was trash. Like I was able to log in with my, you know, with my Sun Life password and user ID. And then you get in there and it just says, you don't have any products at all with us. No products, no coverage, nothing we can do for you. The end. <laughs> That's with the new number or the old? No, number? the old, just with my old password. Like the, what I'm trying to say it is lets you in. there was some kind of glitch with their website and their systems when they did their changeover to a new provider of some sort. That probably explains why they were so well able to correct things when I phoned them and said, hey, what the hell over? Because... You know, you couldn't contact them. You'd say contact, and you said, I'm sorry, the system's down right now. Like 7 by 24 systems always, it was just trash. But, oh, well. When I finally bit the bullet and phoned, it went very well. And as another story while I was gone, Buddy ate a rock. Uh, I saw him. Yes, he likes rocks. Yeah. Drop it. Buddy, drop it. And so he was with Corey at the time. Corey saw him pick up the rock and then saw him choking on the rock, and then the rock didn't come out, so the rock went the other way. Okay, fine, he's eating a rock. <laughs> then These are big rocks, though. Then, These must be the size of an egg. Oh, some are, yeah, some are large. Oh, so he'll big, get a big chunk of cement bigger than your fist. But he, um, wow. so then he started puking somewhat, and then his shits turned to the runs. So didn't we take him in? $1,000 later, Skinny. Oh, my. Uh, anesthetic, because he's all crazy dog. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ultrasound. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, that rock will go through just fine. And that's 1000 bucks. Wow. And the follow-up probiotics I, for his poop and something else, I'm sure. $1,000 later. How big is this rock? I don't know. I'm going to, we, I, I said, you guys make sure you get the rock, but nobody did. It's or, like one inch. Well, it's gotta be something that had trouble in a small intestine, I'm sure. But then when it gets down low, the colon clear sailing. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Do anyway, you have to look for it? <laughs> make sure it comes out. Well, the, I'm in Ottawa, so. Uh, is it already out? Oh yes. Yes. Well, we assume it is. Oh. Poops are good. Mm-hmm. You could get pictures, you know do the whole thing oh here's another one for you boys here is a fun thing uh i was surfing around yesterday came across something from somebody that i follow on youtube that i really like uh, a classically trained pianist posts these things about music all the time posted one and said and it was a short and it was I don't understand why Eric Satie, who was a composer from the late 1800s, French. Satie, yeah. Satie, thank you, yeah. His music is like really, really simple. Gymnopédie, I don't know what that means, but I don't think it's good. Really sort of ethereal, mm-hmm. kind of dreamy. It's really, really nice. Really, really nice. Like the Studio Ghibli guys, if that's how you pronounce that, mm-hmm. I think owe him a lot. And this person said, I wanted to play this piece as my, you know, when you do music, I guess the equivalent of your doctoral thesis is a performance. And I wanted to play this piece and my, my instructor said, there's nothing there. You, you can't use that. And she said, I don't understand why pieces that are bombastic and complicated and a million notes and everything are considered more valid than an evocative piece like this. And I thought that is a fantastic question. 
and goes across a whole bunch of kinds of art, right? You know how I always bellyache about abstract art? Well, you know, there's, there's the flip side. Abstract art is technically simpler to do than classical art, but is it more emotionally engaging than classical? I I think you can argue that it probably is. It's just that it's unique to each viewer. It's not as universal as. That was really a fascinating thing. And, and this person also, they did a full length video, you know, 15 minutes or whatever. And they posted clips of way more famous pieces from composers of around the same period. And they really are. They just batter you, these pieces, right? We're all familiar with those ones and we love them, but they just hammer at you as, as opposed to this kind of dreamy quality yeah, of this. Yeah. I just strong recommend uh, as a thing to think about. I thought, man, that's really something. Mm, I thought, yeah. just thought I'd share that with you. Yeah, that's good cool. One. Yeah. And I would say that some abstract art is as technically involved yeah. as uh, you know the masters or yeah. whatever right yeah. that i mean that, i'm after that i'm not really going to argue with you i mean before that video i might have argued with you about that in general but i mean having seen the flip side of the coin where you sort of think well in music something that is not as technically difficult can be way more evocative than the famous technically mm. difficult pieces that we're familiar with. You know, mm, just, that's oh, right. Yeah. That's just kind of interesting. And when you say evocative, are you sort of talking uh, personal emotion yeah, when you listen to it? Yeah, just emotionally. It's, it's, it has a really dreamy quality. It can feel uh, light and happy, like, you know, a soft breeze on a sunny day, or it can feel gloomy and sad and lonely because it's kind of an empty landscape and you fill it up with your emotions. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really, I just thought, geez, this is, this is a real eye opener. Yeah. I thought hmm. I should mention the name of the person who did that video. It's Nare Saul and that is N A H R E. And the last name is Saul S O L. I don't know if that's the actual name. Uh, it's a Korean woman, Juilliard trained. She does a series and they're interesting as a, guy who does play the piano you probably would like a lot of these videos that she does because mm-hmm. they're just about music they're about composers she she does stuff like how would bach have written happy birthday how would chopin have written happy birthday oh, how cool. would, and she does a lot of that kind of stuff and then this thing about sati was i just thought it was really cool her defense of that kind of music uh was great i thought Anyway. Say, say again, na. Nare, that's N-A-H-R-E, and then the last name is Sol. S-O-L? S-O-L. And, okay, one more, and then I'll stop and you guys can talk for the rest of <laughs> But yesterday in CBC, I heard, I think his name is Paul Gross, is that his name? Yep. Yes. Talking about doing King Lear in Stratford, which yep. he is now doing, and if you get a chance to hear it. So, Moby, have you ever played Lear? No, I'm, I'm due. You're due up. He, he's about my age. Yeah. Oh, so first thing, that guy's a pretty cool guy. I've never heard him speak before, but he's a pretty ordinary uh, guy. He doesn't act like he's a big star. That was cool. Tom Power was interviewing him. And he said he thought he was too young for Lear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he spoke to somebody and, and they just said, no, actually, you're not. <laughs> You're the right age. And he laughed and said, geez, I didn't know that was coming. But he said, 
it was really an interesting conversation about how he receives Shakespeare. He says it's easy for him. He says the way the language is, the way it goes, is easy peasy for him. He said, I never have struggled with that. You know, there's words in there like falchion. That's a good word. We don't use that often enough. (laughs) And he said, the trouble is this guy, he does this whole scope of experience from being a king to not really being a king, to sort of losing his marbles, to realizing that he's losing his marbles, to having lost them. And you have to play this whole arc against all these other players. He said, it's really exhausting. He says, it's super difficult. And I was going to ask you, that's, that's, I wanted to know if that rings true to you. Well, is that what you've seen? You've been in Lear before, haven't you? Nay. Not, not as King Lear, but no, no, no. not at all. No, no, I don't, I don't, I don't know it that well. I, I sort of know it. I've certainly yeah. seen it, but. Uh, he said it's, it's really exhilarating, but then he went on to say, it's like, what are those guys that jump off the cliffs with the little suits? You know, the little squirrel suits? Tom Powers oh, says, yeah, yeah. whatever, whatever the actual term, he didn't say squirrel suits, but those guys, he says, it's like that. When you go in there, the story just takes you away and it's like flying in those suits. You You're crash. just flying and you have to avoid all those narrow canyon uh, yeah. walls. He says, when you survive it, it's very exhilarating. Yeah. yeah. And I just thought, holy, I mean, it was one of the best descriptions of why you would ever act in the first place yeah. that I've ever heard. Well, I, I certainly had that. I have had that experience. I, th- I thought when I was doing Virginia Woolf that there was times when I was literally flying on stage yeah. Be- yeah. because I was so in it. Yeah. 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 That's, pre- that's pretty rare. Flow though. kind of thing. It just flows. Yeah, yeah. And, but I did notice even with um, Little Red Warrior is that every time you go start a show, you're on a train that doesn't stop. It doesn't matter what it is. That's almost exactly what he said. He said, it's going, you're going with it. Yeah. You're just hoping it goes the right place. You're trying to exert influence, but really, yeah. you're kind of along for the ride. Hang on. Yeah. Which is. Yeah. I thought, wow, that's, and he said, he said, it's just like at the end, if you've done something really super physically exhausting, but you survived it or succeeded at it. And that feeling you're just trashed. You feel pretty bad, but you're exhilarated. You're really high because you made it. He said, that's like that after every performance. Yeah. 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 And he must get a, the accolades for that at the end must be worth it too. I I suppose. Uh, Cause there must be a ton of people, you know, he's, um. What is what is he? Um, well, he was the Mountie in yeah. What was that? Sh- I don't. I know want to say twenty two something. Due south. Due south. Due south. Thank you. And he also did a first world and... war film that was pretty famous. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yep. He's done a bunch of stuff that I recognized. Yeah. But yeah. I, I just if you get a chance to hear it though, you could probably find it on the website. I recommend it because it's just for a non actor, for one of us like me and RJ, it really great insight into like. Because, I mean, the typical thought is actors do it because they want all the attention, yada, 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 you know, all Mm. that. This thing, 100, not that. It Mm. really was a very clear discussion about what the motivation for doing that would be and what it feels like. It was Mm. cool as anything. Okay, your guys' turn now. Well, I can can certainly riff on a whole bunch of that from my Ottawa experience. Well, let's hear it. If you're interested. Yes, please. Okay. So and, I, and uh, maybe catch our listeners up on what the show was and all that stuff. Oh yes, well I went to Ottawa to the National Arts Center, center of the universe, <laughs> big giant venue. In, is, is it if you hold your breath, does it hum? 
I think so. Skinny. I think now that you mention that, I think I think so. So this was part of our tour. We did Calgary, uh, January, February, month in Calgary, month in Ottawa. Little Red Warrior and his lawyer. That's right. Uh, that smash hit. And so first thing I noted was that, and I said this at the first meet and greet, we had a smudge, which we did nice. every night in Calgary we did because our little red warrior was that kind of guy who did smudges. We didn't do it in Ottawa. We did, but we did an initial smudge when we meet and greet everybody, all the staff and everybody. So it was a long smudge because everybody takes their little two minutes to get. Anyway. And what's a smudge? Uh, just uh, sweet grass or uh, sage. Burnt? Burnt, burning. And uh, you do it with a feather and it's usually in a seashell of like a clam shell or something burning and you just waft the front of the body and people you know you just brush the smoke over you okay. are you are you supposed to think or say anything when you're doing that no 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 like other people will check amongst themselves sometimes yeah i just i i've never think i've ever seen of course but I've you've heard of smudging uh, absolutely uh, a room yeah. like you'll smudge it's sort of to clean it to oh, yeah. i've heard this and i always assume that there was actual a smudge of the ashes on your skin or something no no it's, it's not, just yeah. smudging the air okay. i guess okay i don't know anyway but so in this i i said well you know what i like about ottawa is is that you land in ottawa and you you park the plane lands and it parks in vancouver you land and it takes almost 30 minutes sometime, sometimes to find the neighborhood where to park the plane. Like literally, you land in Ottawa, you turn left and you're stopped. Like I've never seen that before. I was really quite thrilled about all that. So then uh, we stayed at uh, this place called Restays, which is a bump up from where people usually stay at the NAC. It's literally four minutes. To, I, I can see the NAC out the front door. Uh, a lot of Hitchmanova and 56 Spark Street is oh, between yeah. me and... Anyway, nice, nice place. I could... Don't tell anybody, but my first priority is where do I smoke? In Calgary, I figured out that the negative um, air flow, if you open the window, the air just flows out. Yeah. No smoke is coming in. Right. Figure that out in Calgary. Well, yeah. got the same in Ottawa. Praise <laughs> the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, we have a new Red Warrior. His name is Craig Lozon. He is from Air Force. He's barely, f he's not 50, he's in his 40s, I think. Lovely, lovely man. And perhaps the most, he, I think he understood the role better. He was off book when we started, so it was we had three weeks of rehearsal, which is a really long time, and he was ready to go. So by the third week, we were sort of twiddling our thumbs, like itching for an audience. But we're at the National Arts Center, and because we have our nights off in rehearsal, you can see whatever is on at the National Arts Center. So the first thing I saw was a performance of Dark Side of the Moon, and it's a band that does verbatim covers. Right. Yes. They don't. It's not a our version of dark. It's verbatim, and even to the matching the voices. Right. Mm, yep. So you know, I've always imagined that it's a black singer who goes who does the high ah ha 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 ha, and sure enough, they bring out there's uh, 
three you mean or four. The great gig in the sky. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's yeah. she's white. Is she white? Yeah, she totally sounds black, but she's she white. sounds yeah. Is well, she, that that was always that. in my head that she was black, and sh- sure enough, a uh, uh, a black singer. Oh man, and just so great, and the saxophone. Uh, sort of, I don't know. Does it matches match her in the Great Gig in the Sky? Anyway, there's some great saxophone. Oh man, it was good. Oh man, it was good. I I literally wept, like I I swear five times while I'm watching this. So they did uh, Dark Side of the Moon, <clears throat> um, first half, and then the second half was sort of greatest hits, which I have to confess I don't know. Like yeah. I don't. There's yeah, a whole I, bunch I have of a really short list of. Uh... Pink Floyd songs that I would yeah. recognize right off the hop. It's yeah, it's not a long list, and yet I know they've done a ton of stuff. I just, you know, Brick in the Wall, Dark Side of the Moon. Well, everything on Dark Side of the Moon I'd recognize, of course. Yeah. But I would recognize everything from the Roger Waters years. Well, if I anyway, yeah. very cool. So that was the, that wasn't actually the first experience. The first experience was a show called Heaven, I believe, which is two black actors. It's a story that was actually it was presented 20 years ago in Alberta is about a black female teacher who maybe moves from Montreal and because she had troubles with her well-to-do husband just runs away and sets up camp in Alberta so it's a two-hander and you know great there's like they're good actors but perhaps the most boring night of theater I've ever seen. And it was in a very small, there, I think there's six, five or six venues at the National Arts Center. But right re- now, somebody's putting your union card with yeah, yeah. X on Well, no, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll, I'll, uh, a lot of people agreed with me. And then next <laughs> on the... That's how Trump always phrases it. Many, many people. <laughs> many yes. people agree with me. <laughs> and next on... Oh, so then I see that the art... The pianist, Japanese blind pianist, by the name of Nodu, I think, N-O-D-U, is coming, and he's playing the Rachmaninoff uh, Concerto Number no. 2, and I don't know if you guys remember, but when I got my quadraphonic stereo, uh, after my first week of working at Kaminko, uh, getting a loan. Priorities. A loan, yes. A loan from... Household finance. Priorities. So, yeah. Well, I you should don't know have groceries, yeah, I know, but listen to yeah. this. But at the time, there were certain albums that were recorded Quadraphonic. quadraphonically, like and one of them... period, I think. Yeah, yeah. One of them was Arter Rubenstein playing The Rock 2, wow. and so I knew it, and I said, I'm going to see this. And whoever the the National Arts Center Orchestra conductor, he would be called what? There's a fancier name for it. Anyway. Mr. Big. Yeah. Young, really great talker. So he introduces the whole evening. So the first one is an experimental piece. And going back to um, your Eric Satie Mm. stuff, the opening is all the horns... You know the sound when you let the air, uh, let the spit out of your trombone, yeah. but you, you're going, yeah. you're just blowing. Well, all the horns just blowing air and it. they made it, he makes it, the composer, this is a female contemporary Canadian composer, it sounded like waves and that's how it starts out. It was wow. just incredible. And then, like, wow. the instruments actually get used, but there's a lot of sort of, you know, tapping on your violin, you know, and just, just weird. Are they all mic'd up to amplify those? No, sounds? no, no, no. Wow. Well, I mean, there's the general. Yeah, no, I, I, think. Thought, I thought in order to catch that sound of, like, clearing the instrument, 
it doesn't really make that much noise, but, but I if guess you, if you have it, 50 guys doing it. Yeah, it exactly, makes exactly. Anyway, it was really quite fascinating. Yeah, it was her, and then Nodu came and did The Rock 2, which was, again, incredible. I actually could hear him. We walked past him rehearsing where, like, actually rehearsing. I'm going, I know that. I know that piece. I know where it, oh, it was really. And then the second half of the show was um, Strauss' Alpen Symphony, and our Herr Meister conductor guy at the beginning said, <clears throat> you can actually hear the cowbells and like it's a journey. This person has to go up the mountain. I don't know if they die up there, if they turn around and come back, but it's going through the Swiss countryside and you can hear all this stuff. And <clears throat> at one point, the entire, I think maybe just the trumpet section, but there was about eight of them. They all, like about three or five minutes into the piece, they all enter and sit down. While everything's going on, and I thought, what was that? And somebody later said, well, if you noticed, they were way backstage someplace as if it was the trumpet, somebody far off right, doing this right. good morning. I don't know what it was, but they just did it way backstage someplace, and then they all come on. Anyway, fascinating Jeez, evening. Otto Lowy must have had that on the Transcontinental <laughs> at some point. He must have. Um, what else did I, I think, is that all the shows I saw? The other thing was Kevin Loring, who directed it and is the, uh, uh, artistic director of the Indigenous Theater at the National Arts Center was, received an award from the National Library and Archives thing. So there was five recipients. I don't know the other three, but one of them was Eatman. And do you guys, have you ever heard of Eatman? Mm-mm. E-E-P-M-O-N. It's a nope. take on Ape Man. He is a, a Chinese, hereditary Chinese. His name is Eric Chan. But you'll, you'll know his work. He, he, um, he does digital computer graphic art. And so I, just for on a whim, I um, Googled him. And there's a podcast. He's on this rapper in Montreal has a podcast, and they invited Eatman. And he is like he's he's not he's in his 30s. I don't think he's 40. He's sort of an inspirational speaker, and he talks about art. And he says, just because I work with a computer doesn't make my work any less creative. Or he anyway, it was fascinating. I thought so. So we went to this thing, and everybody gets their little. They do a little film of the person, then the person gets up and speaks, and they give him the award. And it was all very fruity, fruity. Uh, uh, the Governor General of Ontario was there. Lovely lady. She spoke well. Anyway, yeah. so I introduced myself to Mr. Eatman afterwards. I have a selfie. We'll put it on. Nice. 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 And I said, you want to come and see our show? And he said, Indeed. <laughs> And so I got him comps, and I, I actually went into the lobby after the show thinking maybe he might stick around, but he didn't. But he did tweet about our show that evening. Oh, very nice. Which I thought was kind of cool. Anyway, I encourage people to look up Eepman. Well, we, maybe we can include some of that. It's, you'll recognize it when you see it, actually. Yeah. He actually did the, in, you know, um, Canada Goose coats yeah you know with the fur he did uh 150 they made 150 so obviously a special edition and he did design the inside of it and his graphic schminky schminky 
Nice. And one other thing to report is that closing night were the Governor General, would they be called the Entertainment Awards or just the Governor General Awards? Anyway, Katie Lang was up for one. And we were invited to the after party. So we, our show came down at nine o'clock and the invite to the after party was 10.30. So I went home and I got changed and I came back and I thought that everybody would be. So I said, uh, where's the after party? And somebody said, oh, it's up there. So I go up there and there's a fabulous room with all the tables decked up, but there's no people. I'm thinking, and I hear this laughter and clapping and stuff. And I sort of head towards it, and it's at the kitchen staff celebrating, I don't know what, somebody's birthday, <laughs> I'm thinking. And then uh, I'm just wandering around, like there's m- massive lobbies there because they have big events, right? And somebody leans over the balcony and says uh, that he really liked our show. I thought, oh, thanks. And I bet in the time I was there, five or six ushers, they're all ushers, but uh, they got free tickets or whatever said how much they liked the show. And then one guy said, he said, are you looking for the rest of your cast? And I said, yes. Oh, he says, come with me. (laughs) So he just took me into the GGs at the back and the cast is right at the very back, you know, like people are actually standing. What's a GG? Governor General Awards. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So they were just finishing up with somebody and they started with Katie Lang. And so they do this whole film of Katie just sort of some interviewing some parts are in her interviewing her and others are just what she's accomplished and shit and then jan arden comes out and sings miss chatelaine which i thought oh look at this (laughs) and then they showed katie lang she's in the audience but they don't go up and say anything it's it's for them right it's yeah they get yes and so you can see her the cameras are on her and she's behind beside um while the other recipients that evening and so i thought it was just the very end of the show and then another recipient was paul what's his name from kim's convenience is that what it's called the, yeah, that's a show. I don't know the guy's name, though. Yeah, it's Paul somebody, and he he got one. And he came to our show and knows Craig, our little red warrior, and came up to me and shook my hand. And I said, I sort of thought, I know who this is, but I didn't. I had the opportunity to say, to speak Korean, oh. even to say Chukanda, congratulations oh. on his GG. And uh. I just didn't. I kind of went, oh, oh, it was all too bad. fast. I wasn't expecting to see him. Anyway... That was the end. That was it. That was my time in Ottawa. And, and then did you continue and go to the after party afterwards? No, I didn't. I left. Oh, okay. As soon as I actually left before the GGs actually got out, I was uh, I was done. We had two shows that day. Oh, yeah. And I was up at 4 a.m. the next morning Oof. for a 6 a.m. flight. Oh, Oof. yeah. Yeah. So, Loring is talking about a national tour in 2025. And he's also, I think he's going to go to the Edinburgh Fringe this August to scout it out for the Edinburgh Fringe in 2025 as well. Oh, that would be so Would great. it though? Can I take the dog? No. <laughs> Farm the dog out. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. It's certainly a fun show to do, I must say. Um, we did have an 11 a.m. school matinee. Kevin Loring sat in the audience and... Some teacher who didn't even get to the good part got up in a huff and headed out. And so he followed the teacher. 
and the teacher is going, I can't believe we are showing our children this stuff. And he said, and so Loring said, did you read the script? No, he's got, did you read the breakdown? We sent out a breakdown, uh, you know, sort of bullet points of everything that could be offensive to children in this. Did you read that? Well, well, then that's your tough luck. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because we same thing happened in Calgary. Somebody overheard one of the ushers overheard a teacher going out saying, "We've got to get ahead of this. We've got to get ahead of this because the <laughs> oh, parents they thought they'd be hearing the parents and the reaction from the kids because there's some well in Alberta. Well, Alberta is the Texas of Canada. Yes, but sorry, not sorry, Alberta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. In that situation, it would be because it would just be a class. I think theater goes on in Calgary are a little bit. Anyway, yeah, that was my time. It was, it, it was nice. It was actually a holiday because I I don't have the dog. I was just gonna say because you're not walking buddy a couple times yeah. a day. Yeah. That's a holiday. Or dealing with them twenty four seven. Yeah, and <laughs> so it was nice. Uh, the only thing I saw, I went to the National Art Gallery. I was very disappointed because I went to the Indigenous section and I said I was. It was ten o'clock on a Sunday morning. Nobody's there. I said two security guards. Uh, can you turn up the lights in here? Like, it's really, like, a bright sunny day, and there's windows everywhere. I couldn't see the fucking art. And there was, like, there's the big pictures all around the walls, and they were sort of lit. But then there's the display cases in the center of the room, and there'd be little, like, in the indigenous section, there'd be, like, moccasins or, or like, little, just mm. little things. Mm. And I can't see them. I don't have bad eyes as far as brightness is concerned. I can't. And then there was one display on the wall with those kind of artifacts. There was a copper thing. And I said, I could actually see the lights that weren't on. And I said, this, guys, anyway, it just turned me off the whole experience. I saw the indigenous, the group of seven, um, Emily Carr. Um, I didn't know that Lauren Harris, I, I didn't know that the group of seven was seven white males. I thought that Lauren Harris was a female. Just oh. because of the name, I, I just assume that. Hmm. Anyway, and I saw a bit of abstract, some garbage modern art. Like, why are you wasting your time? This massive room, you think, Jesus. Anyway, and I left in a huff, but I left a really, you can uh, cue oh, card yeah. your... Oh, a little note? Your little comments? A little mm. suggestion box contribution? Did I ever? Mm, boy. I let them have the a slot wasn't all, big enough uh, for you to poop in, so you KJ went all Gordy on those guys. That's yeah. right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing we saw, we took a tour of the Supreme Court of Canada, because we have the Supreme Court in the show, of course, and it was rather interesting. It was really quite fun. And, of course, we, we played when we got into... Uh, we couldn't actually sit in the Supreme Court chairs. We could get into the room, but in another court we could. And so we did a little playing. And our little tour guide, it was just, it was just private. It was just a cast, right? Yeah. The, our little tour guide, I don't know what he thought of us because we were having some fun. Were you guys doing lines from the show? Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, all that's fascinating history. And the Chateau Laurier um, completed in 1912. It's just interesting to go into buildings like that that, I mean, I'm sure that's a CP hotel, isn't it? Or a CN? Originally, yeah. Yeah. Fairmont now, like, yeah, yeah. like the Vancouver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, and other than that, uh, I didn't, I didn't get out of downtown. Never. I, I said, should I take the O train and get out of town to all sorts of people at? 
no, you don't undo that. It doesn't go very far anyways, but you don't really, no, I don't, I wouldn't go on the O train. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't. Anyway, oh. uh, lovely, I was beside the, the Rideau Canal, the National Arts Center is on the Rideau Canal, and the, they, I saw the locks full at one point, but it was only for a day, and I don't know what happened well, after that. Well, I think that. if you, like, so, there's the show, mm. you know, okay, great, show, show is a show, but you got to see all kinds of other stuff, so if you're going to get that same kind of deal in a place like Edinburgh... Mm. You know, that'd be awesome. If if they were going to give you that same treatment in a bunch of different cities, yeah, sign me up. That'd be great. Because there's stuff everywhere, right? There's things to yeah. see in every city that you kind of, as a tourist, you're not often going to get the tour, a guided tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, oh, uh, so cool. Really cool. A national tour, because there are sort of big cities that we haven't seen, wouldn't involve any rehearsal right it would be the tech goes ahead of us we do a day of tech and then we open and run for a week or two or something right in every little city or every capital provincial capital say let's say so it would be different the thing is that in ottawa because we had our nights off we could see those shows that were being offered to us you wouldn't get that anywhere else but in edinburgh might be different yeah well i mean i We've, well, if PJ which, and I are yeah. old hands at Edinburgh, yeah. we could actually fly over there and uh, show you around. Catch the show? Yeah. And catch the show nice. and see the Fringe as well. <laughs> yeah, we could do that. It's a great place. We could do that. In fact, you know what? If you recommend us to Loring, pay our tab, we'll do the whole cast that way. Drank my first ever scotch there. Nice. I'll, I'll get on that, Skinny. And Cops, if it's a please. difference maker, we'll forego the credit on the program. For our services. Really? Yeah, well, well I mean, pretty, pretty it's big for of you. you guys. Pretty big of you, It's just skinny. for you guys. <laughs> Edinburgh, yeah, I would, I would do that. How about that, eh? Didn't see a bunch of that coming. A couple of great stories, a couple of deep thoughts. I'm still feeling lucky about being in here with these fools because I could be in with other fools that I didn't even like. That would be even worse. Hope you guys have enjoyed your afternoon as much as we enjoyed ours, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye now. Bye.